And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. That's right. That's the beautiful tone of MCW. Michael C. Williams broadcasting the red corner, saying a little bit about the blue corner. The blue corner is okay. It's all right. It's the B-side, but that's okay. Josh, how you doing, baby? Everyone loves an underdog, especially when he's piecing up the champ at, at a 10 8 round, <laughs> just touching that great I'm glad chin. You, hold on. I'm glad you Let's understand go. what you said, the champ. We call you the champ. I mean, you are the champ in the age department. That's for sure. Woo, yes, I am. <laughs> the grays are coming through, baby. Those things, you got a little extra padding on that chin. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Raise that, raise that. Mic. I know, I know. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> I know. That's the Mexican in me right there. Damn, that's the age showing. I got a herd of them right there on this side. I got a herd of them on this side. <laughs> Not a whole lot on the top yet. <clears throat> They're all huddled up on the sides right now. They'll make their way around the rest of my head, though. I know. I had, I had someone <laughs> send me a thing, man. What color do you use on your hair? Why in the <laughs> hell would I be coloring my hair if I, I'd be coloring that, too? Give me a break. Nah, don't color nothing. You're just too lazy. You're too lazy. Hell to yes, I am the, too lazy. The, you're too lazy to do this. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, do you know John? If everyone at home doesn't realize, John, he cuts his own hair at home, and the way he does it, you know, those like Hoover like vacuum like. No, hairs? no, no, <laughs> he no, just, no. It's a clipper, he just runs dude. it all on his head, and that's <laughs> what he does. I got it down it to a science. Turns out perfectly. You know, okay, and, and this is the truth. You got to figure. This is how ADD I am. I admit it, I am, and it's like I can't sit at a barber shop for fucking fifteen minutes. It drives me crazy. Really? Yeah. If I have to wait in the chairs and I have to wait there, and then I get, I'm waiting to get the haircut. It's like no, it takes me five minutes. I'm done. It's good for at least a week and a half. Boom, out. It's all about saving time. Time is yeah, I mean precious, my man. Well, you moved to the middle of nowhere. I can't imagine there's a hair salon anywhere near you that will cut your hair. <laughs> there's a lot of barbers It'd take you 30 there. minutes to get there, probably, and then nah, sit see, in a waste chair for 15. Time. Yeah, I get waste it. I time. understand that part. <clears throat> it was your choice to live out there in the boondocks, though. Um, all right. Well, hey, I think there's some news we're going to talk real quick. There's no fights coming up this weekend, and so we're going to jump right into some news, talk about the news and some of the headlines, give you some of our advice and our opinion on some of this stuff or what we think maybe some of these athletes and fighters and media and stuff should be covering or that they are covering and just giving you our two cents on it. If you guys agree, great. If you don't, great. That's your that's your right. Um, But then we're going to go right into some fan questions. Man, we have a lot of fan questions that were presented Um. And I had some people hit us up. Dave, where do they post their fan questions? Uh, you guys should be posting them on the YouTube community page. So uh, if you're from Instagram, if you're from the audio platforms, just go to youtube.com slash weighing in. And then on the community section, we do a fan Q&A. We do some other posts as well where we ask for input, but the fan Q&A lands there. It's the easiest place to get your fan questions that go to the top of the line because they're all in one place. Got it. There you go. All right. Well, Let's get into some uh, some news real quick. We're going to answer a couple of these things. Go, we'll talk about a couple of these things, then we'll go from there. All right. So the first story, we talked the other day about uh, Davison Figueredo saying he didn't want the fourth Moreno fight because he felt like there were some racist remarks made towards him. We commented on that. But now um, he's out with a hand injury and expecting not to be back until the end of this year, pretty much. So um, what does that do for the flyweight division? <clears throat> 
I mean, it makes it pretty simple if he's out. I mean, then Moreno will just fight Kaikar France, the fight that Figueredo wants. So then when he comes back, he's forced to fight Moreno for the fourth time. That's really what it's going to happen. I mean, I can't imagine it going any other direction. Wow, you just gave a victory to Moreno over Kaikara France. He could lose that fight. That's true. That is, <laughs> I, yeah. But I, 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 let me reword that. Good. It puts there him in go. a position. It puts him in a position to get that fourth fight, and then there's no one really in that that mix that really would stand out like Kaikara France does right now to be next in line for a title shot. You know, um, that's kind of if he's going to be out that long, that would make sense. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Since you had France beating Oscarov. There's only one guy that's in there besides Moreno that you can kind of put. Pantoja is there, and you could look at him as someone that could fight for the title right now. But uh, just put me to put me to the uh, the flyweight right yeah. here. See, like I said, there's Pantoja is number four right now, and he, honestly, because Alex Perez has already fought for the title and everything, Brandon Royval. Great fighter, but not in that position. So, like I said, Pantoja's the guy. If you're looking at, you could say he could actually be someone that's in that mix. But if Figueroa is out, I would put Brandon Moreno against Kaikara France, and the winner absolutely gets a title shot. Yeah, I mean, you may end up, though, with a little bit too much time. Let's just say Figgy takes longer than that, and he goes into next year. So then you have Kai and you have Moreno fight probably within the next two, three months. I would say three months. Then that leaves you the rest of the year. So if he says, oh, yeah, I'm not feeling any better, he puts it off even longer, then you probably have to have Pantoja come up and fight either Kai or fight Moreno. Moreno just sits until until the title shot. I mean, a lot can happen in a year. That's something. There's, there's yeah. a lot of time still left in this year for these fighters to <clears throat> for them to fight. And to see what happens at the end of this is is basically like you've got Moreno who and Kai the two of them together to find out who's going to win. Really to see who's going to fight Figgy. I don't know how long Figgy's going to be out. Don't know either. I just but... I just mumbled on for that last like ten seconds because I lost my train of thought. I said, thank like, you very total, much. Okay, I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> total moron. John. Look at, let's, just, let's be honest. I called myself out on it. Th this is. <clears throat> And I don't know if this is in response to him, you know, being upset with what he felt was racist, you know, a racist statement with this uh, monkey or something that was put out there. You know, uh, I heard someone uh, gave me a, uh, a text and said something about, hey, in Brazil, you don't call someone a monkey. You know, it, it, it's it's really disrespectful and stuff. I said, so, you know, so maybe, you know, he's taking it very serious. Maybe he's got the real hand injury, too. I don't know. But. Obviously, he's not going to be fighting him for a little bit. That's just yeah. you know, that happens. This is the game, you know. The game. People get injured. People get hurt. Yeah. There's a lot of little injuries. He's got something else too. It wasn't just his hand. There's another little injury he's got as well. He said there's two injuries. I didn't couldn't recall what the second one was, but there's two. He says an injury in his left hand, and then he had an MRI. Um, he said it was a finger injury, and he had an MRI, and then he said I have an, another injury on the left hand. That you can't Got hit pads. It. Yeah. There you go. So he has, both, he has two now. I mean, it makes sense. If you can't strike, I mean, that's kind of the biggest part. <laughs> so, it's a problem. Yeah, it's an issue. All right, next. <clears throat> All right, next story. Um, the MMA fighting is announcing that Ben Rothwell was released from the UFC after being um, reported that he was going to fight Gus in May. So that uh, now being scrapped, and obviously he has been released. 
This podcast is brought to you by mybookie.ag. Did you guys hear me? Mybookie.ag, where all you guys can make all the bets you want on almost anything. John, did you hear me, John? Anything. You've got the final four that is around. You've also got the the finals that will be coming up. You've got so many things that you could place bets on. Let's not just talk about fights. I want to let everyone know there's other sports out there, man, that are you can place at mybookie.ag. But if you guys use our promo code WAYNEIN for your first initial buy-in, they will give you a little extra spending cash, a little bit more dough to put down, courtesy of us at Wayne In Podcast. If you use that promo code WAYNEIN, at mybookie.ag and use that little QR code right there. That one right there. Do you hear me? Yep. You use that one right there. That QR code right there. Okay. With the weighing in code, it will give you a little extra spending cash for that first initial buy-in. And you guys, we want to thank you guys so much for supporting us and the mybookie.ag website. Why would they do something like that knowing that they already had them scheduled? I don't know. Something happened. Something, uh... <clears throat> contractually or something that Ben asked for or who knows, but it's odd because you, you just don't see them getting rid of a heavyweight. You know, Rothwell's had some problems in his last couple fights, I guess, if you want to look at it that way, but he's still dangerous. You know, he's been dangerous his entire career. He's just a, a zombie that walks forward and takes shots to, to land his big shots. He's got his, uh, you know, he's got a couple of wins that you look at, you know, some of the wins that he had that win against Josh Barnett, you know, getting a submission against Josh Barnett. That was pretty goddamn good with his, uh, go, go choke and everything. But, mm-hmm. you know, he, he beat, uh, what did he beat Chris Barnett. Chris Barnett's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Good guy, but he got a win against him, but lost his last one against, uh, Lima. No, Tabura. Oh, he lost his last one against Lima. Yeah, but Lima, he lost yeah. before that as well to Tabura. Oh, did really? I thought no. I thought he lost to Tabura, then beat Chris Barnett. Yeah, and then lost again. So kind yeah, of right. lost, win, loss. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, at the at the, at the age, like I don't want to say, it, but at the age he's at, what is he? Forty years old, 39, 40 years old. Yeah, he's right you there. You know, and. The UFC, I know in the heavyweight division, they normally hold on to them a little bit longer, but the UFC is also making a push for a lot of their younger stars in that heavyweight division. You know, you've got uh, Aspinall, you've got uh, Gond, you've got, so you know, fighters that are in that position there that are making a good run that will probably hold down that heavyweight division for a while. Yeah. So, yeah. I got some good young yep. talent, but he's still, at 40, he can still fight. He's still tough. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. But- Something happened because he was scheduled to fight Gustafson and to just all of a sudden he's been released. Something happened. I don't know what. I I didn't hear anything. Yeah, that's strange. Next. All right. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this one. Uh, Ali Kuna came out um, saying that he, he explained why he's not a proponent of open scoring in MMA but wants just wants to see better judging. Um, so I'm curious as to your guys' thoughts on this situation. John, I don't know. No, I th- I think the judging overall is pretty good. You've got a couple outliers, and we've talked about some of sure. these some of these judges that are outliers that continue to make bad decisions. I also think though that that if you're gonna, I don't think open judging or open scoring is the way to go either. I don't I don't agree with that. I don't think it. You're gonna end up with a, a lot of fights that are gonna end up being two rounds to none. 
going into the third, and the fighter just sticking to moving, trying to stay away, and the other fighter chasing after him, being reckless and careless. Maybe we'll potentially get knocked out. Maybe we'll potentially get a win. Who knows? But you're going to end up with some of those, you know? And it, let's just say, like, in a in a title fight. I can't even think of a title fight as of recently. In a five-round fight, let's use Jordan. Let's not use a title fight. Let's use George and, and Colby. Well, Colby was up, obviously, I think, what, three rounds to one going into the fifth or maybe all four rounds. Well, on, on two cards, he was up all four rounds, and on one card, he was up three. Yeah. So when you have when you have those that fifth round, would he have fought differently? Who knows? Would he have fought the same? Like, what would he have done differently? I mean, knowing that he could have just got the takedown, he probably would have just continued to be that person. But if the roles were reversed, would George keep going after him? Would George circle and stay away? I mean, it really kind of affects, I feel like maybe it affects the stand-up fighters a little bit differently because they would probably stick and move and stay on the outside, whatever it is, the potential of it happening that way. Whereas wrestlers, they would, if they're dominating a fight, they're probably dominating because they're getting the takedowns and just riding it on top. But would they be more eager to get finishes? That's the question. If you're dominating a fight 3-1 or 4-1, would they just hold them down and just punch? And just light strikes, you know, body, body, head. Are we going to see more of that? So I just, I also feel that some of those, some of these fights that we're talking about, some of them, John, could be closer fights than a 10, than a 10, nine round. It could be a 10, nine and a half or whatever, you know, a 10, eight and a half, 10, nine, whatever it is. Okay. Like it could be a closer round versus giving people a full round, a full point to make it a little bit closer in terms of like, okay, this guy won this round. I guess you, we were just talking about this a little bit off air. You're talking about the Matt Brown situation. Well, he won. He won four four minutes of the round in the second round, but he got dropped. Or he got rocked real bad, or whatever. You know what I mean? And so, do you give him a full? I mean, he won four minutes. Do you make it a ten? Do you make it a ten nine? No. Or do you uh, give it a ten nine and a half? This this is the problem. The real problem is this. As you were saying, most of the judging is actually pretty good. Yeah. All right. If you take a look at it as a whole, they're getting the right scores now every now and then you're going to have a uh, a decision that can be controversial we do have some people we call them outliers that they just give bad bad scores and you hope that the other two judges are competent enough to you know ride that out and come up with the right score but <sighs> judging is never going to be subjective it's object i'm sorry never going to be objective it's more subjective and the problem is this, from what I see most of the time, fighters have no clue what the judges are actually giving credit for. They don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, Matt Brown doesn't know. And, and I feel bad for Matt Brown that he doesn't know. But when Matt Brown makes the statement, I won four minutes of that round, how did I lose that round? The judges aren't going off of minutes. They don't care how many minutes that you're squeaking by doing a little bit better if that's what you did. What they're looking for is fight-ending sequences. They're looking for damage. And if you got damaged and you got hurt in that round or you almost got submitted in that round and in that we'll say that you did better a little bit, you're going to lose the round. It doesn't matter on a, on a clock system that would be if you had judges sitting there with clocks looking at things they don't do that they're looking for 
who is trying to finish a fight. And by trying to finish the fight, that means that we're putting shots on someone that have a great effect. And if you were hit with something that had a great effect on you and hurt you bad and you lose that one minute dramatically, but you barely squeak by the fort, you're going to lose the round. And fighters need to know that. Fighters really need to know that because if they're if they're thinking that it's, oh, based upon I win three minutes of a five-minute round and he wins two minutes, that means there's no way that I can lose the round. You're absolutely wrong. And so the first thing that has to happen is fighters need to really be told, hey, this is what judges are looking for. Because right now, for the most part, I would say most of them don't really know. And I, Al saying that we need better judging, we always need better everything. We need we need better judging. We always need better refereeing. And we need better fights. Let's just be honest. So it's always, yeah, we want better. There are people out there that are pushing the open scoring. Uh, one of the commissions is Kansas. Adam Rohrbach from Kansas is a huge proponent of open scoring, and he's been using it in Kansas, and he wants everyone to use it. Do I have a problem with it? I don't have a problem with it at all. Do I think it's it's the fix? I don't think it's the fix either. So, you know, if someone wants to have it, I think there's advantages to having it in some ways, and I think there's disadvantages to having it. So to sit there and think that open scoring is going to take care of your problems, it's not. It's It has its advantages, though. And, and in some fights, it would be good for fighters to know, hey, you need to win this this last round because hopefully that would make them do more. But in the end, you can only do what you can do, you know? And, and so everything in the fight is dependent upon, you know, you should be going out there trying to win every moment of every round. Obviously you can't do that, but you need to understand that judges are looking for those fight ending sequences. They're looking for the first thing they're looking for as far as strikes is they're looking for the knockdown. That knockdown means that you were put in a place that you did not want to be. Okay. Then they're looking for the heavy blows, the ones that they can see affect you. You're having to circle out. You're having to get away. You're going to have, you need time. You're trying to, all of a sudden you're diving in for a takedown because it hurt you. That's what, that's the next level they're looking for. Then they're looking for the volume strikes where you're actually touching your opponent, having some effect. Those are the, that's the way that they're looking at it. They don't sit there and count punches because not every punch, and this is what's wrong with when you get into whatever promotion is going to have it, and they all seem to have it, these you know punch stats or strikes, significant strikes or any of these things. They're all bullshit because not every strike is the same. You have some strikes that are light. You have some strikes that are heavy. What would you rather be hit with? The big heavy shot or multiple light shots? Obviously, the multiple lights. Well, then we're going to give more credit to that? No, we give more credit to the heavy strike. So someone can land five strikes, someone can land one, and they can win the round. That is the way judging is. Well, how do you remedy this solution for fighters to understand this? I mean, like, like you and I have talked about this on the show quite a bit. When I came to you and we started working together at Bellator and then we started doing the podcast, one of the conversations that you and I always had, whether it was over a beer or breakfast or lunch or whatever it was, was what are the rules? 
you know, and it's, and it's, it's a fair, it's fair to say that I was one of those fighters that fought for 20 years and didn't know all the rules and how many other, other ones that are out there that don't seem to understand what, what the criteria, not just the criteria is, but little things like, Oh, don't I get five minutes for this? Don't I get, you know, don't I get time for this? What do you mean? Um, I can't hit you this way or I can't use this part of, they don't know. No. And we laugh about it, but it's, it's a, it's a crazy thing to believe that fighters, they just have a perspective of, I just care about the major ones because those sure. are the ones that happen the most. Yes. You know, but in that scenario where like the Aljo and, and Piotr Jan situation, it, it it came down to maybe like the the corner maybe knew the or something was said and he and then he went from he understood what how he could get the win or how it could all go down and things like that happen but open scoring to me John I don't think it's gonna like you said it's not gonna fix it no if anything I think it, I think it's gonna it could potentially end up being more of a problem as time goes on when people learn how to buck the system a little bit more. As they in the beginning, it'll probably still stay the same. The one thing that I wanted to say was this: open scoring fighters, majority of us fighters, a majority of fighters that are at the highest level, you know whether you lost that damn round or not. So, what does open scoring do for you if the round is close? Why are you letting it be that close? You already have in your mind, damn, that round was close. I thought I won, but if you're telling yourself in between rounds, that round was close, I thought I won, that means the next round you need to win. Don't leave it, in, I'm not saying leave it in the judge's hands. I know it's easier said than done because a lot of fights will go the distance because you're equally matched. Yeah. You know, styles make matchups. I get that. But if you go back to the corner and your corner tells you, oh yeah, we won that round, you shouldn't be listening to them. Because unless you dropped him two times or one time solid and he was rocked and you were stumbling around for a good minute, you probably didn't win. It could be a it could be a close round. So you know whether you won the round or not, John. And the, a lot of these fighters know that. So what does open scoring really do? It just it, what is it supposed to ease the fans' mind? Like oh, at least we know what it is, and the judges aren't trying to do some fuckery with it. No, the judges don't do fuckery with it anyways. They just some of them. We I'll leave them nameless. They just aren't, sometimes aren't doing very good jobs at that one fight or whatever that, that one person is. There's one or two out there that always seem to come up different and not sometimes, and sometimes just a little bit different, sometimes a lot different than the other judges. And it happens. I get it. But they're not out there going, you know what? Round one was really close. I'm going to give it this guy. Round two was this. But I, they, they're going to go, you know what? I'm going to make it equal because round two now. They don't do that. They judge it how it is, right, John? And they don't try to make each round. Oh, maybe I'll give one to this guy. Maybe I'll give this one to the guy. Oh, it was this. They don't do that. No, they and so don't. And as, as a fighter, they know when they go back to the corner, they know that they won that round or not. I can't tell you how many times I went back to the corner and like, I lost that round. Shit. You know, I need to win these next two. You know, or, I, okay, I won that round. I believe I won that round. That I did enough damage. I did more damage than he did on me. You know how many shots you took to the dome. Yep. You know, unless they're waking you up, you know, <laughs> but, well, that, you know, that was part of, I, I, first off, you know, I, I talked about, I love Matt Brown. I, I yeah. love watching him fight, but he said, you know, he even said in the, his, his thing is, you know, I, I, I don't remember being hurt, which means you were hurt, <laughs> but cause you can see it, <laughs> you know, and it's like, 
yeah i mean I, and, and i don't blame him you know yeah you, you don't remember it because mm-hmm. it hurts you you know and it's as a fighter you know how many times have we seen a fighter doesn't remember being dropped they don't remember that incident at all. And I tell people all the time, look, that's a moment in time that is lost to them forever. The only way that they can ever understand it is when they watch it, you know, on replay or up on the video screens or something like that. And they'll see, like, I, I got dropped because they don't remember it. You know, Anthony and it's, Johnson. They're, they're, yeah, Anthony. Anthony Johnson. <laughs> and that was one, you know, I, I, I have our friend, Norty, is in my ear saying, ask, ask this. And I'm like, I don't want to ask it. All right. Goes, well, you know, I was like, I knew it. <laughs> you know, I, I hate interviewing guys that get dropped because you know that they're not going to remember everything. Yeah, it's true. Like, and, and but fighters, even okay, say how many times have you heard fighters say, "Man, I got rocked in the first round or the second round in a five round fight or a three round fight. I don't remember the rest of the fight." Yep, all the time. Yeah, and so not just that, but every fighter up until that point, we're keeping tallies in our head a little bit. Okay, I got hit there. I got hit there. Okay, I got I got kicked here. I'm like fighters. If you're smart enough, you guys are taking a tally. How many times they hit you? Okay, I got hit clean, three or four hard shots. The rest of them just grazed. Wasn't enough. Nothing. The judges were really. You're thinking about all of that during the fight. Okay, I need to get a takedown. Okay, I need to hit some submissions. I need to threaten a submission. I need to. Land a couple more leg kicks. I need to do more body work. Whatever it is, you're telling it up in your mind. Okay, at the end of that round, he hit me three times. Okay, the round was too close for me to call. I got to go out there and win the second and third. Fighters do that in their minds. And so to think that they're going to change the way they fight, which they may later on after they get used to the open scoring situation, they may change the way they fight. But it may not be for the better, you guys. That's the issue. It may not be for the better. We may end up with some lulls in some fights because – the fighters already know, okay, that front, that round was close, but I won it. Oh, that round was close too, but I won it. Shit, I'm just going to cruise. Round three, I'm going to cruise. The other fighter may fight harder. Okay. But how many times now are you going to have that fighter basically go out there, rush into something, maybe get knocked out? Sure, you're going to have a fun fight. How many careers are we ruining because of open scoring? It only takes one good, clean, hard knockout for that fighter's career to be, eh, especially as you get older, man. So True. who knows, you know? Well, I don't, know. I don't think right. open scoring is the way to fix it. Um, I do like the half point scoring. I'll continue to say that over and over and over again. Because then some of those close fights that you think are robberies, there's a better chance for the other person to win. If you only lost by a half point, that lets you know that every judge thought the fight was a lot closer. Damn than closer. It, the, yeah. yeah, and that was a lot closer. This whole 10-8 thing, or 10-9 thing, sorry, it really makes it built to be like, oh, yeah, he definitely dominated the round. No, they did not dominate the round. They had to give a 10-9 to somebody. And that's why. Now, if you that's give them right. a 10, 9 and a half, okay, that lets you know that, yeah, I agreed. It was a super close fight. And so then they have, you have a better chance of having closer fights and better understanding for the people at home to understand the judges saw it the same way. It was a really close fight. It was really close. And that, I think, was set of the fans' nerves and all it, the people at home going, it oh, yeah. Doubles. Like, it doubles wrong. the options for the judge if you have that half point. Yeah. Doubles it. That's huge. That can make a big difference in scoring. Yep. Uh, All right. Next. Next. All right. Uh, next story. I want to get your reaction to this. Cheo Sonnen says that Jake Paul badly needs the Nate Diaz fight next um, because of the pay-per-view buys and all that. And the last one, this is kind of like, you know, Jake Paul has to make up some ground right now. What, what do you think? I think he's right. I think 
let, let me say it this way. What, whoever he fights in his next fight, it's got to be someone that draws. It's got to be someone that moves the needle. It's got to be someone that people are interested in because, you know, and it, it really wasn't his fault as far as the last minute change to uh, have the rematch with Woodley, but it did not do well. And it did not do well because people were not impressed with the first fight. And when they're not impressed with the first fight, they're going to go, why am I, why do I want to watch that again? So they've got to want to watch him. Well, that means that you need to put an opponent in there that people are interested in. Nate is someone, he moves the needle. People are interested in him. So, Nate Diaz or somebody like him, yes, Jake Paul needs to have somebody like that uh, in his next fight. I agree. Yeah, I don't think he. I don't know if he needs Nate, but he needs, like you said, somebody like him to move the needle. I also think because the way he was able to knock out Woodley, that they're like, look, you obviously proved you can knock somebody out like that of that stature, of that size, whatever it is. Now we need to see you move on to a better level of competition or who they think is a better level of competition. Somebody that preferably boxes might work. Okay. <laughs> so when you get to that level of, in the way he knocked out T wood, they're thinking to themselves, Nate, Nick, give me somebody else. Give me like, give me another person that you can think of off the top of your head. I mean, I would say Masvidal. If Masvidal didn't sign a long-term deal, I'd say someone like Masvidal, somebody that has some box, uh, stand-up background, boxing background, that's what I could see. I honestly, I personally, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw his name out there. I know he's not as, a, he's not as big a, as big a draw as as Nate. Not a lot of people are. MVP, MVP's, he's got the speed. He's got boxing matches. But I would love to see that fight. Him and MVP would be a fun fight. I, I already brought that one up long ago to people at uh, Paradigm who uh, were uh, they manage. Uh, MVP and I said, man, look at your your guy fights for Bellator. He's on Showtime. Jake Paul is signed by Showtime. You should be uh, at their door, banging on it, saying, "I got the guy to fight Jake Paul," and that is MVP. Because, but the the problem with it is, you know, how big is MVP? Mm -hmm. uh, I can't say, but especially at the time that I was telling him, that was the matchup because that would be a great fight. It would be fun well, to watch. It would really depend on where would you fight. Would you fight in London? Or of course. Would you fight here. You know, I mean, like London. Go, go to hostile territory, Jake, yeah. and you know, or whatever. Do it in L.A. I mean, MVP is a showtime. He's he's a show guy, so he would love to be in L.A. doing that yeah. fight. But I mean that. I mean, but I like I said, Nate to me is is the fight. I've said it for the longest time that Nate is trying to get out of his contract, trying to fight his last fight, so he can run off and take this fight. And I, I'll continue to stick by it. You know, I mean, I've heard that that's kind of what he was thinking about. Now, look, so much time has passed. Maybe it's changed. I haven't heard anything in a couple months now. Yeah. So I haven't heard any, anything else since then. But anyways, I'd like to see – either way, I'd like to see that fight. Next. Yep. All right. Uh, next story. Still on the topic of Chael Sonnen, but a bit more direct this time. A lot um, of Chael Sonnen he... stuff here. <laughs> well <laughs> – uh, I want to get your reaction to this whole situation that um, transpired with the with the fight in the hotel and then how he had charges pressed against them. The felony charges have been dropped, but he still has six misdemeanors. Um, so he's you know still kind of in there, but it's not it's not looking as bad as it originally did. <laughs> well, like let let's 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 break this down as simple as it can get. 
Okay, first, was Chael arrested? Well, kinda. Kinda. He wasn't taken down to Metro Dade and booked. He was written tickets. Okay, what does that mean? What does that tell you? If he assaulted somebody, assaulted someone, battered them like has been said on like TMZ that this man was just, you know, his tooth was knocked out, things like that. Do you think they're going to write him a ticket? They're not going to write him a ticket. They can't. So let's be honest. There's cameras everywhere in the hotels in Vegas. Okay. Now, as long as this didn't happen in the bathroom, there's cameras all over. Okay. You guys not watch ocean 11. Jeez. Come on. (laughs) Do you, do you not think that they have all of this on tape? You got all of it on tape. Now I've talked to Chael about this and I understand, you know, his side of what occurred. I understand what he said he did, but the, the most, the best part is it's on tape. So it's going to come out and, no matter what anyone says, no matter what Chael says, no matter what the dentist guy and his uh, his his female companion said, I don't know if it's his wife or not, doesn't matter what they say, it's, it's on tape. You know, we're going to find out. The problem is there's too many people wanting it to be more than it maybe is. Now, maybe it is something, but from what I've been told, uh, it would be pretty easy for Chael to beat the snot out of a dentist if he wanted. Okay? Since that's really not what happened, do it, it, the, the best part is, is you, Josh, you know, like I've, I've been out to dinner with Chael and his wife, right? We, we have spent a lot of time with Chael. First yeah. off, Chael's wife is a fantastic person, beautiful lady. And if you want to say things towards her, it's probably not a good idea because as you watched on the Oscars, you could get slapped. Okay. Don't, don't make comments about a man's wife in front of him, unless you want that man to possibly respond. Now, the way he responds is the question. Did he hit him? I have one person saying, yes, and I have one person saying, absolutely not. We're going to find out. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you said it. Chael, Chael and all three of us with his wife, four of us, and, you know, even with some other friends. We've all had dinner how many times? Yep. Lunch how many times? They are an amazing couple. They, like, he runs off any chance he can to spend time with her and the kids and He's a good guy, man. People give him a lot of hard time because of the shtick he does and all those things. He's an amazing person. Let, let me say this one thing because I want to ask you a question on this. Because there's the, the whole thing on this was that Chael was drunk and stumbling, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the best part. Oh, now, look. I do drink. I drink beer. I drink whiskey. Josh, I will tell you, he drinks. Beer, whiskey, even wine because he's a little sophisticated. Okay? You ever seen you ever seen Chael have a drink? Chael doesn't drink. Th- 
Thank you. <laughs> Chell doesn't just, drink, you know, which like, is hilarious. I love it. Chell doesn't he doesn't drink. drink. I've tried buying him drinks several times. He hasn't drank, he said, pretty much since college. He doesn't drink. Yep. And the same thing, I've seen several people, not just me. I've seen several people in different settings. Buy him a drink, drinking. and he says, hey, man, thank you very much, but I don't drink. <clears throat> yep, and he'll give it away and be like, hey, I'm sorry you wasted your money on this, but you go ahead, please, whatever it was. Yep. He'll always drink like either a Coke or a tea or a ice, iced tea or whatever it is. He'll drink something else. He doesn't drink alcohol. So, But he was <clears throat> drunk because that's yeah. what this man reported. That's what TMC put out. Guess what? As soon as they said that, I, my wife was like, Chill this drink? <laughs> I was <laughs> like, no, lie. he doesn't. That's so, great. Yeah, That's great. It is what it is. No. Yeah. Next. I mean, there <laughs> I, you go. I think I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine. All right. Should we hop into some fine questions? Let's go. Yeah. Let's get into some of these fine questions here. <laughs> All right. The first one is coming from uh, Aaron J. Codona, who asks... What do you think about the whole champ champ process? Do you think being a champion in one, a champion in one division makes a fighter a number one contender in another division immediately just based upon the fact they are a champion? Do you think it has any negative effect in the sport? Maybe log jamming divisions or slowing a division's progress down? Perhaps? Question mark. All right. I don't know what you know about computers, but I know very little. Just ask Podcast Dave because he's always screwing over my computer from afar. I don't know how he does it, but... That tells you right there that you have no privacy at all if you are not using a VPN and you need to use IP Vanish VPN to protect yourself because right now if you're on the computer and you think that you're being private, you are not. There is no privacy at all. You do that incognito mode, it means nothing. You've got to go to IP Vanish. IP Vanish VPN is easy to use. It's just one touch of the button and it will completely keep you private and secure while you were on the internet. Right now, this means that your private details, your passwords, the communications that you put out, the pictures that you send, and if you're sending some of them pictures, they can just be out there and then everyone has them. You do not want that to happen. Be completely shielded from all of your information and all of your passwords and things falling in the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden with IP Vanish VPN. So this is super important and it's super simple. When you use IP Vanish on unlimited devices, it's also without sacrificing the speed. You can use it on your computers, your tablets, your phones, even things like your fire stick. So if you guys have kids that use a fire stick in the car, use a fire stick in their room, okay, whatever it is separate from where you have control over it if you are a parent, use that IP Vanish to help keep your family's information secure. I don't go online anymore without using my IP Vanish, John. I know you don't. I know I don't. I'm Podcast Dave. I don't know what Podcast Dave, but he probably uses it as well because Dave's actually the computer smart guy over here. IP Vanish is offering you an incredible 70% off with your yearly plan for our listeners only. For our listeners only, John, 70% off with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And just like that, that's like getting nine months for free. At 70% off, that's like getting nine months for free with IP Vanish. IP Look, Vanish is super easy, John. It is. It's super easy to use. I talked about that. It's so easy. One push the button, instantly protected. You don't even have you don't even know it's on. You don't even have to do anything special. It's easy. It's simple. And you're completely protected. Stop sharing the world 
everything you stream, everything that you put out as a message and all your passwords and all of that. You don't want that going out there. Take your privacy back today with a brand that is rated a 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com slash weighing in and use the promo the promotional code that we have of weighing in and claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com slash weighing in. Go now. I think yes and no. Look at when, when you sit there and you say, can it create a log jam? Yes, it can. It can create problems in your divisions. But, and it, when you're saying, does it automatically make that person a number one contender? Absolutely not. It does not. But when it does kind of put it there is when you have a champion who has basically run through most of the opposition in their weight class. That doesn't mean everybody, but most of the competition, the the people that you know most people would look towards is that you know that's a great opponent. He's already gone through them. Well, that person is yeah he can be considered to move up or even down. Even though I say to move up, he he can be considered that main person, you know, to challenge the other champion. Yeah, he can because he's done everything that he can do within his division really. Uh, and there's, there's, he's got to have goals. He's got to have motivations. And sometimes when you've gone through the, you know, the people in yours, the only thing to do is to go get that next one. And so in some ways, yes, you know, there are problems with having champ versus champ. It can create a problem in the division. It can hold other people back, but sometimes it's what's necessary. There's only been a few people that I can think of off the top of my head that have deserved that type of situation. Uh, DJ being one of them, GSP being one of them, Anderson being one of them, and John Jones. I think outside of that, I can't think of another name off the top of my head. Is he? That. Not quite yet. <clears throat> He's got one or two more left. Well, he, he you got to figure he went through just about everybody in his division when he fought Jan. Yeah. Yeah, I, no, I, really I, I get that part. Yeah, he went up. I get that part. But those are the fighters that you're talking about being able to get the number one ranking to get up to the, the next weight class. Yeah. They deserve that type of that type of thing. I would probably, the only reason why I throw Connor in there is because of the way he did it when it came to Jose Aldo. And who, Jose Aldo was such a legend before, he's still a legend, but up until that, had pretty much, pretty much wiped out the division himself. And so when he when the way Connor dispatched of of Jose, then when he went to fifty five and the way he did it there, I understood I understood why they not to mention he was a huge draw and, and moneymaker. <laughs> but I'm know. simply saying though is that the way he did it to Aldo that no one had ever done it to. Yeah. You know, no one had ever touched him the way that he did, you know, in that type of situation. So um you can include him into that thing as well. But other than that, no. You know, I mean, I, I don't even put DC on that list. And I know he went up and became heavyweight champ, but I didn't put him on the list in terms of, like, he didn't wipe out a division. I mean, no. he, beat every, he beat a lot of people in that weight class, but he didn't wipe out the division. You know, but then he got to heavyweight and he got the title shot. I understood why. You know, DC became a big name after all the John Jones fights, you know, and being a two-time Olympian, and he's very, very well-spoken. 
you know, as he as we're finding out. He's got a great <laughs> so, personality. He does. So, but there's not a lot of people that that I think are worth backing, like a jog, uh, a log jam for, and him being one of them. And so, but you have a handful of fighters that that were able to do that, or that should have done it. I thought DJ should have done it a long time ago, and I think that's maybe why the UFC was like, "Look, if you're not going to go up and wait, we might as well just trade you away because we can't do anything with you pay per view wise, you know. And if you're not willing to go up and wait, and so." I saw that part. The GSP and Anderson thing was talked about for years, John. Forever. Never, never came about. Um, and who else did I mention? You know, and then you've got John Jones. John, John Jones. Jones is doing it right now. So, and he wiped out his division. You know, and a lot of those fighters that he wiped out were legends. How? So. And, and this is the point. How can you not <clears throat> sit there and look at John Jones, a guy who, you know, look at, legitimately has never lost, okay, a fight? Ran through what fifteen title fights as a light heavyweight? How can he not be the first person that deserves a shot at the heavyweight title? How? Yeah. Yep. Ran through everyone. So, good question though. <clears throat> Let's go, Thanks. Dave. All right, Jayden Solanke asks. I had a question for a while now. Josh believes Connor doesn't have anything now at this point of his career, but if we look at it, he has only lost to Khabib, the pound for pound greatest, and to Dustin, the second greatest lightweight in UFC. Robert Whitaker has lost to Adesanya and many more fighters, but you don't see you don't say the same thing about them. Why? Love your podcast, guys from India. <clears throat> All right. Well, one thing is that Robert Whitaker is currently active and very active like he's still training daily he's still not not captivated by everything that's outside he's not being <laughs> pulled in 15 different directions he is still 100 percent dedicated to fighting conor mcgregor can say whatever he wants he is not 100 percent dedicated to fighting and even if he became if even if he did come back to become 100 percent dedicated to fighting we still would not see the conor mcgregor of old it just wouldn't happen John, he stepped away for too long, got himself, his mind is going a hundred different directions. He has a huge family now. You know, I think they want three kids four. coming, four well, now. I think he's like going on his fourth. Going on his fourth. So, you know, it's like all of these things. And look, I don't have anything, I'm not going to say anything negative about him because it's like he just, but it's just not there anymore. And to continue to sit here and say that it is, he is not going to be the same fighter that fought Jose Aldo. He's not going to be the same fighter that fought Eddie Alvarez which I still, to this day, believe was one of the best performances by any fighter ever it was that fight against Eddie, you know? And <clears throat> he is a, he was he was a good fighter. It was a great fighter during that time. But then his time away and everything else that he's been distracted with and continues to be distracted with, business-wise, business venture-wise, everything else, family, everything. I say that he is done. Doesn't mean that he can't come in and get a win, but I don't think he'll ever get another another... He'll never win another title. Maybe I'm wrong, John. Tell me. Tell me. Do you think I'm wrong? Well, first off, I think. Uh, uh, tell Dave. Did he? He didn't put Nate Diaz in there, did he? Because he lost to Nate Diaz. He didn't put Nate Diaz in there. Oh yeah. It's like, yeah, Connor. Connor came in and did some you know amazing things, but to sit there and, and to compare what he's doing right now. You know, with uh, other fighters and stuff. Yes, he's been out because he's been injured. He got injured in in the second, well, third Poirier fight, and uh, you know, 
It's gonna take. It's gonna take a while. We talked about that when it happened because all of a sudden they were talking about it real fast. And I was like, eh, it's gonna take him a lot, quite a while to get used to that leg, kicking with it, not having it hurt more for him to kick than what it's gonna feel like to someone else who's receiving the kick. All those things, and so you look and you go, look, Connor's had his moment, and it was amazing. But when you start to look at what made Connor what he was, part of it was his laser focus on being in training, being the best, and putting in the work that needed to be done to be that guy. And when he started to take some of that focus and put it on a whiskey company that he did incredibly well with, that's just, that's not all. He's got all of these, you know, he's got all of these hats out there and these different things, and he's got to address all of them, and that takes time, and it takes focus. And he's not training with the same people in the same fashion that he was before. And to me, that was, that's one of the telltale things. That's one of the things that I saw as a difference is when, you know, he's changed it up, and it, he hasn't changed it for the better. You know, he still works hard. I'm not going to say he doesn't work hard. He does. But the percentages have changed. And what he's able to do now and, and the way he addresses things and what he's doing, he's got to go back to being that guy who was hungry, you know, how many years ago, you know, when he was fighting Aldo and then fighting Eddie Alvarez. He was hungry back then. He wanted to prove something. That guy is, you know, those fights were a while ago. You know, I can't, off the top of my head, what was it, 2016 when he fought Eddie? You know, because it was, what, USC 205. I know that. So it was, uh, it was a long time ago. It was in, what, like, no, I think it was think on it was the anniversary. What's that? I think it was November 2015 because uh, he fought Nate <clears throat> shortly after that. It was, on, it was on the anniversary of the the. First UFC because it was November twelfth, I believe. Uh, yeah, November two thousand sixteen. You're right, but yeah. it was November. Yeah, yeah, but that's a long time, man. You know, you're looking at six years. Six years, big difference for someone to kind of go down a little bit, other people to come up. So it's not you know, Connor can still be a great fighter, but he's got to go back to being the guy that fighting is the number one thing. Six years since the Eddie fight. People's careers come and go within two or three years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you but, know, especially at the level that which these guys are fighting. So, <clears throat> next. All right. Christopher Lopreste asks, everyone love the show, and this is a question for both Josh and John. What is the best type of enclosure for an MMA fight? For example, a geometric shape cage, like an octagon or hexagon, circular cage, a roped ring, or some other sort of weird contraption? <laughs> some other sort of weird contraption. You know, I don't know. I think the verdict's still out on that. I mean, right now, everyone's familiar with the with the cage. I would probably just say a circular one, only based on the fact that there's no corners to be put in. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> depends. I mean, if a corner's there, it's you put them in the corner. There's a little bit more damage. Maybe a little bit better for the for the crowd. I don't know. But uh, I've fought in I fought in a ring with metal cables. Wrapped in rubber, in pride, and then I've Ra- fought. Wrapped, it, wrapped in, in cut-up hose. 
Yeah, yeah. Something <laughs> That's what like it was. That. Yeah. yeah. I've wrapped it. I've, I've fought in that, and I've fought in a circle, and I've fought in a octagon. I mean, I've fought in a lot of different shapes. You you fought, fought in a hexagon. <clears throat> I have fought in a hexagon. Yeah, many times. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, it... it I don't, I don't, I don't think I ever really noticed the difference when you're in there fighting. I never really noticed the difference. You know, you're, I, you do when there's, you do when it's the ropes. You will, you will find a difference yeah. with fighters between ropes and with a cage. There's a yeah. difference. Yeah. Now, and and the the real thing to look at is, is there anything that's perfect? No. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, for a fighter, the ropes. You know, when you look at it, there's there's advantages and disadvantages. The cage, there's advantages and disadvantages. It used to be that, you know, if you put someone down against the cage and you crushed them into the cage, it was hard for them to get up. Everyone gets up using the cage now. They all know how to wall walk. It's become part of training. Everyone does it. Uh, if you're if you're unable to get up from somebody, if they have you up against the cage, it means that either, one, you're exhausted, so you don't have the energy to do it. Two, you're just giving up and you don't really care about getting up. And you just are going to accept where you're at and, and try to ride out the fight. But everyone knows how to use the cage now to get themselves back. So when you look at it, the difference is the cage is safer for the fighter overall. Now, not always. You know, if you're going to look at the UFC's cage, it's safer for a fighter no matter what. They do a great job with the cage. They've, they've had it made a certain way. And it's... They've even taken care of because they have what's called, we call it an, an infinity line with the canvas and the and the fencing actually goes down. It looks like the canvas kind of floats with it. Other ones will have pads along the bottom. So I like the round and always have only because it doesn't in any fashion give an advantage to one fighter over the other. There's nowhere I can put you that I can gain an advantage. Now, that's just the way I look at it with the, the difference in corners and stuff. But, you know, there's guys that, that think that corners are great. So uh, the the ring is an easier aspect for people to watch the fight. It's cleaner for the fans, but it's also a lot more unsafe for the fighters because fighters do fall out of it. They do end up getting hurt sometimes by falling out of the ring going through the ropes off of the apron and onto the floor. It's happened too many times, but fighters have been hurt in cages when someone didn't close the cage door the right way and, and it opened up. So there's, you can get hurt in a lot of ways. The, the sport of MMA, for the most part, it's come to the point where the cage is what's used most of the time. You know, is there a preference? I don't care. It really, you know, I, I, I always just look towards what's safest for the fighters, and it's usually safest for them to fight in the cage because they cannot be, you know, in a position to fall out of it. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think well, I believe it is safe, <clears throat> safer. The other thing that makes it more difficult to fight in a in a ring is that when you fight like in Japan, where I had all my fights in a ring, you have people that are bouncing the ropes. <laughs> And constantly pushing you back in. Pushing if there's you, any yeah. law. Yeah, they're yeah. constantly pushing you back towards the center of the ring. So it's like you're getting pushed on one side and the other guy's trying to beat you up. <laughs> so now you're fighting two people. 
And so that's, it gets a little frustrating sometimes. You know how many times like, you'd be against the ropes and like you, all of a sudden you feel the rope like bounce off your head if you're like trying to squat down and defend the takedown and they start bouncing the ropes. The, the rope will hit you in the head. And, it, and those ropes are not soft, by the way, you guys. No, no, especially the, the pride ones were, those cables were tight. They were it was tight. Like, it, was like, it was like getting hit by a bat. <laughs> yeah, it would. they were super hard. Yeah, yeah. That rubber was not rubber. It was like a gel coating that was not soft at all. It was so, it was painful, you know? And so even when you're leaning against it, you're like, oh, this is horrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was my experience in a cage. Yeah, I'm definitely leaning towards a cage. I mean, in a, that was my experience in a ring. I'm definitely leaning towards a cage. And uh, I think it is safer. And I do like the idea. I, I never thought about, like, in terms of it didn't give one fighter more of an advantage over the other when it was a circular cage. I just looked at it as, like, why? I, I just I didn't want to have a corner where someone could just be pushed into and just held there and not a lot of action or whatever it is. Same thing in the clinch. If you got a clinch and you have a corner like that, you could just hold them in the clinch against there and not a lot of action. <clears throat> you know, or they may just open up and unleash the action. You never know. But in a circle, it kind of keeps the keep it moving so all right next all right next question from acro um this one is seems like it's in broken english so i'm just gonna read it as it is and then you guys can interpret it how you want so it's like your english uh, well, i was gonna say it actually <laughs> may help josh if it's in broken english because you know his brain can only process like three words at a time no uh, but so i can get to four now <laughs> acro asks um did fighters should eat junk food after the weight cutting or they should weigh after the fight like i see tai chuavasa eating some nutella snack eating junk food that's probably affect your body to perform 100 percent the day after right absolutely um <laughs> i've said i've said this a ton of times i said this a t i know exactly where he's going with this yeah um i've said this a ton of times whatever you ate throughout your camp that's what you continue to eat the next day. If okay. you had oatmeal for breakfast and you had, or you had eggs and, and you know, and whatever else for breakfast, say mushrooms and potatoes and whatever else, that's what you eat the next day on fight day. Don't have pancakes. <clears throat> don't have pancakes. Yeah, you're not, don't get me wrong. There's things like, you just find ways to carb load if you need to, to get your body back to normal, hydrate and how you would do that as well. But don't go and eat something different that your body's not used to the day of the fight just because you made weight or that night before the fight. That's the last thing you want to do. When I first got into the UFC when I was younger, I think I was like 24, 23, 24, something like that. Anyways, is I would um, I would have a huge steak after I made – I never really ate steak during fight camp. But after I made weight, I'd go have a steak. I was like, oh, yeah, because I know I'm getting paid the next day. And then I'd go have, I'd have chocolate cake, but I only have like half of it, like as if I was doing a good job. Like, okay, look, yeah, I'm only going to eat half the cake. Just as I got older, I was like, gosh, what was I thinking back then when it came to my nutrition? And so, yeah, just stay on the same routine. You have one more day. You just you just spent, Forrest Griffin used to say this all the time because he cut a lot of weight. I spent eight weeks taking care of my body, getting my weight down, making sure. He's like, I'm not going to travel across to, you know, another country or travel all the way across the country or all the way across the U.S to fight somebody in some other town where I don't know where to get my food. I don't, I don't have a stove in my room. You know, I don't have all these things that I want to keep my routine. <clears throat> and that really clicked with me because it's true. You got to keep that routine, whatever your weight was during training, whatever you ate during training, that's what you should fight at. If I trained at 171, 172, I didn't weigh more than that came from, come fight time. If I ate 
eggs and you know and bacon for the morning every morning or eggs and and oatmeal in the morning and then i had lunch i had berries and yogurt then that's what i ate the day of the fight and then right before the fight i always had just chicken and broccoli because it was the lightest thing for my for my stomach to process that was it and i always took some food with me you know to the fight and i would eat it outside the locker room before i walked in because i knew it'd be about a two hour two and a half hour delay before i actually fought as you got to the main card got towards closer to the main event I had it all scheduled on when I would eat these things. Yeah, to answer your question, eat clean, eat the same thing you've been eating for that time. And those fighters that are not doing that, I don't know if they're just doing it for show, for social media, to help build that up, or if they that's what they really do for in real life. I don't know. You said it all. That's true. Just if whatever you've been eating, continue on. And if you've been eating Nutella, continue on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, well, remember the story with Kevin Randleman, right? Kevin Randleman with the fried chicken. I think that was at Pride in uh, in Vegas, wasn't that? Uh, oh, yeah. He, you had that. But, you, I mean, you had Derek Lewis with ribs. <clears throat> it, it, it was... Uh... <laughs> Robert Hollis was the uh, coach, Extreme Couture. and I'm sorry, Robert Follis. Did I say Hollis? Robert yeah. Follis was a coach at Extreme Couture, and uh, he took a picture because he couldn't believe it. So he takes a selfie with a picture of Derek Lewis eating ribs behind him. He goes, and he's going to go fight, right? That's crazy. But, you know, guys do it, man. That's that's okay. You know, if that's what you've been doing, you can continue on. If you haven't been doing it, I would suggest don't do it. All right. Next question comes from Berserker B-Dog, who asks, John, I see the fighters pre-entry to the ring being frisked, basically. Has there been an instance that there was something actually found on the fighter or a discretion of some sort? Absolutely. Why do you think that we frisk him at the beginning of the fight? Yes. Look, guys, guys, we say it all the time. You're not cheating. You're not trying. Guys used to try to cheat all the time. You know, they would take, put Vaseline behind their ears. They would put Vaseline behind, if they were they're going against a wrestler and they thought they were going to try to, they would vaseline the back of their legs so the the guy would grab at their legs and you know pull it away you had the incident with you know uh, george st pierre against bj penn look at that phil nurse rubbing you know his chest with vaseline you know it's like you look and you go come on guys are gonna do stuff uh the whole thing with the pat down at the beginning was to just make it as simple as hey you're gonna have to have someone that's gonna put their hands on you they're going to sit there and they're going to look at your fingernails. They're going to look at your gloves to make sure nothing was altered or anything like that. They're going to take and they're going to put their hands and wipe you down and see if they feel any type of ointments or anything. Because guys would, you know, what they'll do is they'll, sometimes guys would take a hot bath and they would rub baby, baby oil all over them and then towel off so that it would appear dry. But as soon as they start to sweat, it starts to come off and it's real slippery. You know, Josh had a, a famous fight against Clay Guida where he, you know, talked about, man, he was, he was greased. He wasn't greased. He had hair products in his hair and it should have been checked and it should have, you know, been, nope, can't do it. And we, we've had those situations in the back. We say, Hey, go wash out your head, take all that product out, make sure it's dry. We're going to make sure you know, when we go out there, we're going to test it. And so these are the things you try to take care of in the back beforehand but you know, the guy knows that he's going to end up having to be in front of someone and he's going to be checked beforehand. So it's just to try to make sure that 
someone's not trying to get something over uh, on the sport or on their opponent. Yeah, I now that I'm retired, I can say this because I would start putting Vaseline on my face in the morning. I put Vaseline all over my face, let it soak into my pores, just because I knew we didn't get a lot of Vaseline in between rounds, or we didn't get it. We only got it in the in the beginning of the fight, and so I would just put Vaseline on my face in the morning and. And as the fight got, as we got closer to the fight, I'd wipe it off. But it was already soaked into your pores, so the chances of getting cut were a lot less. Yep. You know, <clears throat> just something I would do. I didn't put Vaseline on, on the rest of my body, you guys. Just want to let you guys know, I was I cared more about my face. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, next. All right, next question from Callum Ash. Callum Ash asks, "Why doesn't Nate take the fight the UFC are offering and verbally submit in the octagon, then after just say?" F the UFC and go box Poodle Paul. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've always wondered that. Like, what if someone was not happy? How would that, they would get sued, I would imagine. Well. Because it says in your contract, you have to fight to the best of your ability or something like that. It says, I right. can't remember exactly what it says, but <clears throat> it says in there that you need to perform, you need to fight to the best of your ability and whatever it is. So you walk in and just say, quick tap or whatever and just walk out. I would imagine they'd sue you. Not only are they going to sue you, you got to figure what's going to happen. Is you know, everyone says, "Oh yeah, I just do that." Good. Yeah, don't don't think that it hasn't been done, and don't think that it, there's not things set up to uh, make sure that you don't want to be the next guy doing it. Okay. First off, your pay. There will be none. It's going to be confiscated. You didn't fight. You didn't perform. So you don't get paid if you don't perform. So your pay is gone. Now the athletic commission, they they don't take kindly to it. Okay, that that you said you wanted to fight, you signed a contract. That contract went to the athletic commission. They have that, and now that you decided you want to walk out of the fight, they're going to have you come before the commission and explain yourself, and you can get fined, and you can get fined a lot of money because they look at it like. You did something that disparaged the sport. It disparaged them as a commission because you did it in their jurisdiction. And it is just not going to sit well. I'm just telling you right now. So not only are you going to not get paid, now you're going to get a fine by the commission and a suspension. So you're not going to be able to fight for however long it's going to be based upon whatever suspension. They can give you, you know, let's say a year suspension, which would be about what they would give you. So now there's another year that you're not going to get paid. This is not something that you just, you know, you, you do and like, oh, I can just get rid of my contract. You did not fight. And when you did yeah. not fight, <clears throat> doesn't it change live up though? your contract. Will but, it change though, based on the fact that <clears throat> let's just say Nate does this and I'm, I'm not saying Nate, Nate would ever do this. I don't think ever, but I'm saying that let's just say Nate did that. I walked in, just tapped the air and just said, look, I lost. I walked out. He's not going to get paid. That's fine. Okay. Say he gets slapped with a fine, pays the fine, contract's done, then he applies for his license for boxing. And then do they give it to him? Do they not? They might not. But then, then on top of it, let's just say he doesn't pay the fine. Who's to say that he doesn't just go? Let's say they don't give him the, the license because he didn't pay the fine. What if he goes to Dubai and fights over there? Or where does he go to another country, fights, you know, or he goes. That's, that's a better bet. <clears throat> Will other states allow him to fight that you're you're always going to find <laughs> no matter 
but you will always find that state. Oh, we'll take that fight. Okay, but it's going to be what? One of the smaller states. One of the ones that fights normally don't occur in. One of the ones that don't get big fights. So what does the promoter want? Does he want to put the fight on there? No, he doesn't want to put the fight on there because it's harder for him to sell tickets there. It's harder for him to do everything there. So you just made it hard on the promoter who's going to be paying you money. You just made it hard on him to put his show on where he wants to put it on so he can make that money so he can pay you. There's a lot of things that go into this. Because I look at a fight like the Nate Diaz and Jake Paul fight, they could take that fight overseas. Yes, and, they could. And, 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 and that, like fine. I said, that would be your better option. You know, and then just air it over whatever pay-per-view or whatever it is they plan on doing, and they'll make their money. Yeah, you could. Because that's really, like, even if he did that, if Nate did that, he would still just go and take that fight. He's only probably going to do the one-off fight and then right off into the sunset. So he doesn't, I don't think he would really give a crap what happened. Okay, let me ask you a question. Are you going to give a crap? Let's, Let's say that you get this one fight, okay, and your one fight is in April coming up. Right now, when was Nate's last fight? He fought for what? Two years now? No, he fought. What? It was his last fight was against Leon, right? Leon it's Edwards, right now. It was Leon Edwards oh, in right. June last yeah. year. Oh, June right? last year. So June of last year. So we're talking. You haven't fought for close to a year already, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now you have this fight in April, and you do this. So you're not getting paid again, right? So you're not getting paid for this entire year. And what's going to happen? I told you, you're going to end up going before the commission. And what are they going to do? They're going to suspend you. So now it's going to be at least another year before you can do all this other stuff. And you're going to be losing money based upon the fine that you get. And you're going to get a, either you're going to get sued by the promoter because you were disingenuous with what you signed to do on your contract. You didn't fulfill it, and you cost them money. So now they're going to try to recoup that money. And trust me, the UFC has sued a lot of people. They don't lose. Let's just be honest. Because it all takes place in Vegas. They've been sued by people. They've countersued them, and they always win. You're right. And because part of their contract is if you have a lawsuit, where do you have to file it? In Las Vegas. Okay. So... You know, this is this would be costly in so many ways for someone to do. You're crazy to do it. Yeah. Walk out and just put yourself in a triangle right away. Go ahead. <laughs> like right away. Right away. That's it. No, I just got caught. <laughs> oh, you would just have to have the right opponent to make it look like it was definitely just thrown. Like, you know, if you have a good, let's say you get a top-level kickboxer. Let's just say you have George versus, you know, Nate, and Nate just runs out there and throws himself in a triangle real quick. <laughs> it's like, you know, what are the chances? Damn. All right, next. All right, next question from Uppercut Cannon, who asked, Josh, last month marked five years since your retirement. How has your life changed for better or worse? Do you feel fighters have more resources to help train than your generation of fighters did? Uh, we definitely have more resources to train. Uh, there's more there's more high-level gyms as well. A lot of the stuff is moving to Vegas because a lot of people want to be accessible um, to the UFC, the ones that want to try, uh, that are trying to get into the UFC. Um, 
you'll find that a lot of managements have now started to work their way into Vegas as well to try to like, who's the young and up and coming fighter that we can start staking claim on to become, you know, to sign them. Um, The UFC has the, what is it called? PI. PI, you know, Performance Institute. That's available to them, which comes with also food. I believe it's like breakfast and lunch. Yeah, they can get breakfast and lunch. You can't get dinner. Yeah, but I mean, like, they have access now. That saves them a lot of money and expenses. You know, there's a lot of things that are accessible to them now that were definitely not accessible to us back in the day. You know, um, the management fees, though, they I think those have gotten a little bit more increasingly uh, a little bit higher. And if they haven't gotten hired, the money's gotten a lot better. So you're you're paying out a lot more money, which is good for the managers as well as the trainers. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, th- I think it's I think it's been good across the board for every MMA athlete, John. I can't I can't think of a reason why you wouldn't want to become an MMA athlete, an MMA fighter, unless you just don't have the desire to. You know, yeah. it's like something that does you don't want to do. If you're if you're adamant about being one. I, I can't find a way why you wouldn't be successful. I mean, with the amount of coaches that are out there, top level coaches and access to walking into a room like extreme coutures or AKA where you've got top, top level fighters to train with iron sharpens iron. I mean, it's accessible to you. I think it's available to everybody. It's just a matter of how much you want it and how much work you really want to put in. And that's up to them in terms of my retirement. Gosh, I can't believe it's been that long, but uh, I'm so crazy. Ask John, man. I'm freaking happy, man. I'm I'm one of those guys that I, like once I decided to retire, that's why I waited so long to announce it. I wanted to make sure I was I wanted to make sure that I was sure about my decision. And once Bellator signed me to a longer term deal to be an analyst and they were happy with my performance, and you know, behind the mic and things like that, I just I had no desire to go back. And I was already losing desire to fight, you know, my last probably four or five fights. You know, I mean the fight even even when I fought Benson. That was probably my last fight that I was really motivated for. That was the one that I was probably, and even then, I was kind of frustrated. I was flustered that I wasn't getting the title shot. I was supposed to get the title shot when I fought Eves when I was there the first time, and I felt like they did it to me again. And I just was like, you know what? This it just wasn't meant to be for me in this in in this game, you know. And this, and I just got frustrated and flustered, and I just didn't know if I wanted to do it anymore. And that was kind of the. That's when I just started just. Moving on kind of with my life, opened gym, opened a gym, just kind of my life started going in a different direction. Like it started thinking about life after fighting. So what, how am I living now? I love every second of what I'm doing now. I do the show with John. I work as an analyst. I've got, I work with great people at Bellator um, and Showtime and Paramount and every other organization, every other network we've ever been on, CBS Sports, everything. Um, I love it. Podcast Dave is a good friend of mine. I've known him for a lot of time. He's, all these things are great to me. And um, I'm very, very happy with the way my life is going. I don't look back. Not one regret, John. Not one. That's the way to do it. Super happy. That means it was a win. Next. All right. From Takeru Man 91 any top prospects for the growing women's MMA Bellator strawweight division? Question mark. Well, Bellator doesn't have a strawweight division. <laughs> <laughs> he did say prospects. Oh. Uh. There's no, there's no, there's no one, there's no strawweight division. So, um, you know, there yeah. are, there, there are some really good fighters that can fight at the 115. Carrie Melendez is mm-hmm. a stud and she's got great striking, very crisp, and she's got power. Normally, when you have an, it, a smaller, you know, female, 
hard for them to create enough torque and power to really hurt their opponent with one shot. She's got that ability. She's got just, she understands how to punch. She does it correctly. And she's fun to watch. And now her ground game has actually gotten pretty damn proficient to where she'll, she'll go into ground and pound situations. She's not worried about being submitted and everything. Obviously her husband has helped her with that quite a bit. And, uh, she's fun to watch in the, she definitely could be in the 115 pound weight class. She goes up to the 125, but she could, she could make it easily. Yeah, she. I think I believe she just signed an extension with Bellator. She'll be fighting at 125 now. I think she's gonna make try to make a little title run at that position there. She was juggling between 115 and 125, and I know there were some bids on her maybe going to the UFC and then her going maybe going you know somewhere else. <clears throat> but she decided to stay with Bellator because they they pretty much are around the San Jose area, um, you know, once a year at least. But um, she's one of them. I would love for Bellator to have a 115. Television yep. because I know there's plenty of them out there. We talk about it all the time. We talk and about they, it all the time. And they tell us, shut up. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> but I would love for there to be a 115-pound division um, in Bellator. And um, who knows? Maybe one day down the line we'll get that. I would like to see it. But I don't think we're going to get it in the Carrie Melinda's era. No. You know, she's, she's getting a little bit older as well, yeah. Uh, next. Um. All right, from Hakan... If a fight ends in a draw, do the fighters still get their win bonuses or do they only get their show money? Show money. They do not I mean, get it's that. Up, it's up to the promoter. It is up to the promoter. So let's can the promoter give them a split of that show money? Yes. Can they give them their full show money? Yes. Can they give them nothing as far as show money? Yes. So it's really up to the promoter. The promoter is the one that's going to decide. They're guaranteed their show money, their win. If they didn't get a win, it's possible that they could get what was their win bonus. It's possible they could get half of it. It's possible they get none of it. Yep. John answered it. There you go. <laughs> exactly. From Mickey Pineda, how would a healthy prime Shane Carwin do in today's heavyweight division? He would do great. Shane could wrestle. Yeah. He had good wrestling. He was strong as hell. He could hit like a mule. And he is tough. But you got to figure the one thing about Shane had a career. He was an engineer. And he had a career. And so he was never really that full-time fighter for a lot of his career. And uh, he started kind of late with it. But Shane Shane was tough. He, he was you know a talented guy. You know, and again, super strong. We're talking about just a, a a very strong individual. Look at what he did when you know when he fought Brock. You know, he dominated Brock for that first round, and he dominated him so much he had out of gas. And you know, and he yeah. There's a thing called uh being raboed, which is rabidosis. You 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 work so hard at. Uh, using a muscle that it starts, to, there's too much blood that rushes to it. That kind of happened to Shane in that fight, and he was just exhausted, and, and Brock ended up getting the win. But uh, the guy could fight, and he was tough, man, because he had that fight against uh, Junior Dos Santos up in, uh, I want to say it was in Vancouver. And it just, uh, and he took he took an ass whipping, just kept on coming, though. Tough dude. He had power. Yeah. He had power. He had good wrestling. Yep, he was a he was a mountain of a man. 
Yeah. You know, um, extreme. Sick. He was he was talented. He just had to work on the remedy, which he had to work on that remedy to the cardio issue. You know, he was just so big, carrying all that you know that muscle, having to carry all that oxygen. He just, I don't know. I, I don't know how he would do. To be honest, um, I think he would do well. I mean, but I look at the heavyweight division now, and I'm like, okay, there's a couple fighters I think would give him a hard time, but I think the rest yeah. of them, him and Derek Lewis, would have been a fun fight. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? That well, was a he, fun fight. He could have taken Derek <laughs> off of his feet because he was a good enough wrestler. He could have done that. Power-wise, they're close. Mm-hmm. They're really close. So Derek just, I think, is a little bit more explosive on the feet. Maybe. And so could have potentially got to the chin a little bit faster, but Maybe. then it would he have knocked him out? I don't know. That's what makes this an interesting conversation, John. Yeah. You say, when you're talking about heavyweights, they both have power. I know one has wrestling, but Derek Lewis, sure, he can be taken down. He also just does the stiff arm in the armpit and just pushes you right off of him, too. So that's how <laughs> strong he is as well. Yeah. So overall, it would make it for a fun conversation for a lot of those fights. But he could still do well. Yeah. Next. Michael Forte asks, Josh, all homerness aside, does Rafion's thought, does the Rafion's thoughts that beat Magomed beat Peter Jan? You know, I don't know. But I, I'm just being honest, and uh, John, I think you would maybe agree with me. Look, stylistically, they match up very well. I think I think Rafael Stotts is a good enough wrestler to take him down, and I think he'd probably be able to take him down several times. Can he do it for five rounds, though? I don't know. I think he can do it. But can he hold him down? He's going to have to continue to take, keep taking him down, keep taking him down without getting tired. Rafael's going to have the speed advantage. He will not have the power advantage. But he will have a little bit more tools in terms of what I mean by tools is he'll mix up the knees, the clicking, the kicking, and the striking, the different style of attacks that you see like with the Pettis brothers. He'll mix those things up, which will keep Peter Jan, Peter, Peter Jan guessing. You know what I mean? So mixing those things in with the wrestling would make for a very, I think, a very good fight. I, I, look, I'm hearing a lot of good things of how well that Rafion's doing in the extreme tours and other locations that he's been training at. Everyone's telling me he's the real deal. I think he's the real deal based off of the Magomed, Magomedov fight. But I, I can't go based off of any other th- anything else. I'm hearing things from other people, but look, the fight, the fight is a fight. I, I'm not going to say that I, I, I can't sit here and with a straight face, tell people that Rafael Sot's going to win. I don't know. Yeah, you don't. And it's impossible for you to until they fight. Let's just, you got to break this down the way it is. Does Rafion have the skill set to possibly beat Piotr? Yes. Does Piotr have the skill set to beat Rafion? Yes. I would say this. If it was, if that fight was booked and I was the odds maker, Piotr Young would be the favorite. He's going to be the favorite in the fight because his skill set as far as going five rounds, He's very good against wrestlers. He's very good as far as with his foot sweeps and taking guys that come into him off balance. And he's got power, and, and power is a huge you know thing in the 135-pound weight class because it's rare to have a guy that can really swat, and he can. And he's got good kicks. He's mentally tough. You know, I think you can look at, you know, take a look at the Aljamain Sterling fight against Jan. Aljamain is very similar in a lot of ways to Rafion as far as his wrestling ability. I think Rafion's a better wrestler than Aljamain was, but you know he lives off of you know getting the takedown and being on the ground. But Rafion is 
kind of, you know, gone towards, Hey, I'll be in the standup and I'll take you down when, when I feel like it's a, it's the proper time. So, I mean, if they made the fight is Piotr Jan going to run through Rafael Stutz? No. Is Rafael Stutz going to run through Piotr? No. I think Piotr would definitely be the favorite in the fight, but it would be a fun fight to watch. The reason why I wouldn't just say this based off the the bookies is I look at it too that <clears throat> Piotr Jan has had to fight not just over in Russia fighting top-level competition there. He's been in the UFC fighting a deeper division, whereas with Rafael, sure, he's fought some tough fighters, Magomed, Magomedov being one of them, yep. but the thing is, though, that's been one, maybe two top, top fighters that he's fought and he's dominated or had good wins over. You know what I mean? And so with Jan, you already know a deeper pool of what you're getting from him with Stotts. The verdict is still out. And I'm a big Stotts fan. Yeah. And, but you got, you have to be honest with, you have to be honest with yourself. I look at it the same way John does. Is one person favored? Yeah, I would say Jan would be favored because there's a deeper pool for me to go back and say, look, he beat this guy, beat this, beat this guy that are similar styles to Stotts. Whereas if I look at Stotts, there's not a lot of guys that I could say, like, okay, he beat a guy that looks like Jan or or competed like Jan. You know, I mean, like, the, the fights like Jan. I don't have a deep enough pool that he'd be able to do it several times. That's yeah, that's why I would go based on that. Look, look, let's be honest. <laughs> Piotr's got one loss. Okay, you throw, throw the Sterling thing away because that was a disqualification. That's not – he didn't get beat. So he's got one loss. It's to Magomed, Magomedov. And it was still a close fight. So, um, I mean, barely has a loss. Stotts has got one loss. And it's to Marab Davishvili. And it was 15 seconds. He went in there, had his hands down, got clipped, got knocked out. So, you know, you take a look and say, they both have one, one real loss. You can say, well, if Marab beat him, you know, and and that's that says something. That was a while. I don't know. Do me a favor, pull up that fight if you can, David, and let's see when it was because it was a while ago, and you know, obviously because Davishvili Rough, was yeah. was not in the UFC at that time either. But you know, anyone, and that's part of growing as a fighter. You make mistakes. Sometimes you get caught. Sometimes you don't. But there's this. 2017 spinning back fist 15 seconds in and and so you look at you know when was it 2017, 2017 june 2017 yeah. so five years ago he's a different fighter now too but yeah. i think rob's a better fighter now also too so i just look at it and said if i looked at them you know going in they both have things that i look at and say i think he's got the advantage here and no doubt that i think stotts has the advantage in the wrestling no doubt you got to give Jan the advantage in the striking, but it would be a fun and interesting fight. I agree. I agree. I mean, I look at, I also look at other guys in that, in that weight class that would be fun as well. I mean, that to me, that's the, that to me is the most stacked weight class in the, oh, in the world, in, in the, the world. world right now. Yeah. So yep. next Isaiah Parker asks, could you guys rate Will's slap slash punch and rate Chris's chin, please? Uh John, I mean Will's slap was all fingers. Fingers. You know, and uh obviously that range and distance is not his forte. No. Didn't understand how to create the right range. 
and closed that distance. And then I think kind of, kind of, kind of, he kind of stuffed himself in there and tried to short arm it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Didn't help. Yeah. He kind of had that wives of Hollywood house (laughs) slap, whatever they call it. The the wives of Hollywood white house. A little bit of a pimp slap. Yeah. Chris, Chris, um, Look, what I was more impressed by Chris Rock was the way he handled it after that profession. Oh, my God. Yes. First, he, you just, he took nailed. it like a man, and he handled it like a man. Exactly. Yeah, he, he handled nice. it like a true professional. And, you know, that's you have to... Any other man, it might have been down. It might have been on. Like, you, let's, let's fucking go. Like, you slap me on national television in front of... I don't know how many people were in the damn Oscars. I think, hold it. Hold it. You you slap me and then you turn around yeah. and start to walk away. Sorry, son. No. <laughs> but gonna get muzzled. That's why mu- Chris Rock is a much better human being than I am. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, like I said, the, the way he handled it was very impressive. Yeah. Just nasty. Just good good stuff by him. Next. All right. We're gonna wrap up with this one from Live at Victoria, who says can't think of a good one, so just have a nice day, fellas. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, all right. Live in Victoria, thank you for uh, not really sending the question, but thank you for wrapping up our show for us, man. Normally, I let that be to Big John, but guess what? You took you it. Gr- you did a great job. Um, go to WayneInPodcast.com. Check out some of our merch. We've got a couple uh, hoodies, long sleeve shirts, uh, sweatshirts. Swe- sweatshirts. Sweatshirts, very good. Okay. Uh, we've got a plethora of t-shirts to choose from. We've got our new logo as well as our old logo. We've got the Karate Kid, the Beast Mode shirts. We've got all different types, the home improvement shirts. We've got plenty to choose from. We've got the, the hashtag and still, which Podcast Dave just designed. That is up and available. And the hindsight is 50-50. That's called the Joshism. And uh, make sure you guys capitalize on this while they are still up and available. And so go to wayneandpodcast.com. Check out our merch. And John, take us away. Yeah, baby. Well, like Victoria said, Everyone out there, be good to someone. Be kind. Make someone's day special. And we hope you enjoy this. Enjoy your weekend. And we will see you. John, that's not what she said. I don't know. <laughs>